Hi, this is Daniel James, and this is the podcast of Triple R's The Mission, a weekly radio show exploring the issues that impact the lives of Aboriginal people and those at the wrong end of social justice in this country. The Mission is broadcast live on Triple R each Tuesday evening. Hope you enjoy the podcast and feel free to get in touch via the Triple R website. Good evening, everyone. Yo, yo, yo. It's Pogari here, filling in for Daniel here on the mission. You are on 3RRR. And before I begin today's broadcast, I think it's important to acknowledge the land we're on. The land I'm on is the land of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nations. And I'd like to pay my respects to um, all mobs of the Kulin Nations, in particular the mobs of Melbourne, um, Wurundjeri and Bunurong. We're Triple R broadcast and our studios are based. And uh, I'd like to pay my respects to any other Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people currently tuning in. I hope you enjoy the show and I hope you all enjoy the show as well. I've got a, a pretty interesting show ahead. I'm going to be having a few interviews very shortly. We'll be yarning to uh, Dr. Brian Martin and a little bit later we'll be yarning with Luke Briscoe a.k.a. DJ Demolji. Independently yours, Triple R. 102.7. We've got Dr. Brian Martin here on the line, who's an Associate Dean for the, from the Faculty of Arts, Design and Architecture, and is working on a new project that aims to produce an Indigenous-led study of the significance of trees in southeast. Australian Aboriginal culture, cultures, and the project expects to identify new evidence and, um, and improve the awareness and understanding of Indigenous cultural heritage. Welcome, Dr. Brian Martin, to the show. Hi, Paul. How are you going? Good, good. How's your day been? Uh, it's been a very busy day of meetings, strategic meetings, conferences, it's meeting students, all online, which is interesting <laughs> <laughs> is it has things changed a lot for you it doesn't seem like it if you've been doing a lot of that over the, the course of your day um with covid stuff and the new restrictions easing i guess yeah i mean a bit there's you know there, there, there will be a type of roadmap return to campus for universities in victoria at some, at some stage in line with the state government but um yeah i mean look it's a, it's a different way of doing things but also you know, we adapt and students are resilient and, and um, yeah, scrap to still be teaching, really, as well. So. Yeah, exactly. So I gave you a bit of an introduction there. Would you like to tell us a bit more about yourself um, for those that don't know you? And I guess you're yeah. better at introducing yourself than others are, I guess, sometimes. <laughs> yeah, no worries. So, yeah, as you said, I, so I, I am Bunjalang Mamorori. Um, I, I grew up in Sydney, Many many years ago in Redfern, but uh, I've lived in uh, lived down in Ocean Grove now. But I've, I've lived mm-hmm. down in Victoria for about twenty something years. Lived in Broken Hill and Barkindji country for about six years, um, and uh, yeah, I'm the associate dean Indigenous at the the Faculty of Art, Design and Architecture at Monash University, mm-hmm. and um, myself and Brooke Andrew, associate professor Brooke Andrew, who's Wiradjuri. Um, recently, the director of Mirin, Mirin, the Sydney Biennale, the Biennale in Sydney. Um, so him and I uh, are working on this project called uh, More Than a Gulani, which is a Wiradjuri word for tree. Uh, so More Than a Gulani, 
Aboriginal Knowledge Systems, which is uh, uh, funded by the Australian Research Council, which is fantastic. Yeah, that's really great. It, um, it sounds like a huge project because, um, like, southeast, like, so-called Australia spans a lot of land mass um, in the project itself, like, to be doing over during COVID times. How's that been for you? Yeah, um, I think that's about... I mean, the project is over its span is, is, a span is three years. Mm. Uh, and, I mean, we are look, looking across significant trees as well. All trees are significant. Mm-hmm. And when you particularly look at, you know, the scar trees, you know, the, of, on Wiradjuri, Kamilaroi, mm-hmm. you know, Bundjalung, Dara, you know, even Barkindji, down to, you know, Bunurong or, or down uh, Victoria more way. The, the same with the birthing tree that's on Japarong, yeah, we're on the country, all the trees, those directional trees up the Western Highway. It is a broad area, um, but it's also about bringing this sort of cultural knowledge and cultural heritage to the foreground, mm. especially in times when uh, I really don't like talking about this, but when you look at what Rio Tinto has recently done, mm-hmm. it's, it's unforgivable. Yep. We talk about reconciliation, we talk about let's come to the table. My, my opinion is. There's no table with Rio Tino. They don't exist. Yep. They should just disband and go away because that's that's not forgivable. That's inexcusable. And mm-hmm. this is why cultural heritage is so important when we look at trees, we look at sites, these things. And, and I think um, it's about shifting the mindset of, of tangible and intangible cultural heritage and knowledge. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because yeah, I guess like... Um you know, I saw something actually the other day about, or this morning, like a meme online about um, Indigenous lands being desecrated, but if it was a building, it would be held at higher significance. Um, which, yeah, yeah. Ab- absolutely, Paul. And I think, look, I think if we look at, in our worldview, trees produce knowledge. They articulate our relationship to country, mm-hmm. to, to ourselves, to ancestors, Trees are giver of life. You know, you hear uh, the aunties in Melbourne, you know, Arnie Joy Murphy, Arnie Nawi, Dr. Caroline Briggs talk about, you know, from the treetops to the roots, Arnie Diane Kerr. Mm-hmm. They always talk about this tree, Bundjalung, talking Bridgimer is the, the, the roots of the tree to the top. It's matrilineal as well. There's, there's a significant relationships that we have with trees in particular. And when you look at it, trees produce um, oxygen, they take toxins out of the atmosphere. They produce um, oxygen. We need trees. They have this relationship to us on so many uh, real, material, immaterial, tangible, intangible, spiritual levels. It's so deep. And I think, you know, you, you our relationship with them, the scar trees of making canoes, shields, um, birding trees, dendroglyphs, like markers, there's a whole range of various things mm. that is really important about them. And also this project looks at these, that cultural material, so canoes, shields and other objects, but also samples of scar trees that have been taken to the picture of a museum mm. um, that are still in museums in Europe and we're investigating, looking at digital processes of you know, making copies of them for mm. digital scanning and yeah. maybe reproducing back in Australia, like 3D printing. Um, and look, looking at those, sort of, how do we 
look at cultural heritage in a contemporary way and what does it mean for us, what does it mean for that museum, what does it mean for repatriation, mm-hmm. a whole range of different things we're going to be looking at. That's cool. And you said it's a three-year project. How, how deep are you into the project at the moment? Uh, well, we just got the funding and we're about to start. Oh, <laughs> that's incredible. <laughs> that's great. Um, so the first thing we'll do is we need to go out and recruit a PhD candidate, so there's a scholarship that goes with this for three years, which is fantastic. Mm-hmm. We'll probably bring on uh, another PhD candidate next year as well mm-hmm. onto the project, and 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 because we, we sort of want to make it equitable in terms of and also culturally appropriate, having a male and female. Yep. We're looking at male sites, female sites as well, so ensuring that you know that's done in a proper way. Um, but it's also the great thing about that we can fund someone to get their PhD through this process, which is exciting. So it's, you know, another black fellow is going to become a doctor. That's very exciting. So, so, and that's what, we, I mean, that's what we're about at, in, at Monash and Woman Jeff and Jimbana Research Lab. We want to build the capacity of our people mm-hmm. and so we can take charge of these knowledges in these spaces because yeah. you know, there's so many non-Indigenous researchers out there looking in these spaces. It's, it's, it's our knowledge. It's, it's about building our capacity and our people's capacity as well. Mm, that's incredible yeah and i guess like you know like with uh you know our people being able to do this the rest of society of australia benefits from it as well um yeah yeah exactly and i think that's i mean it's, it's about shifting if we shift our our positioning and our and positionality in relationship to cultural heritage you know and if everyone in australia had this view of what cultural heritage is for example, the Rio Tinto incident would not happen. Yeah, it just would not happen. I mean, these things, you know, we, as you said, like if someone walked into you know, Notre Dame or someone walked into St Mary's Cathedral in Sydney, you know, and someone blew it up, there'd be a ruckus around Australia. There'd be people put in jail. There'd be there'd be a terrorist attack. Mm-hmm. You know, um, mm-hmm. and really, it's 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 such destruction of such significance. That's mm-hmm. why it's so hard to even try and conceptualize and talk about it because it's just you can't talk about it yeah and i think for, for these projects are about trying to shift shift people's thinking about what is heritage what is site what is place you know mm-hmm. what are these objects doing over in other museums around the world i mean why aren't they here why aren't repatriation happened you know um and this is for not just indigenous peoples in australia it's for everyone living here to be proud mm-hmm. of our ancient heritage our deep time, our deep history for everyone, mm-hmm. you know, and we should be celebrating that. Yeah, exactly. Is there anything that you're very excited about with the project? You mentioned that you're going to be bringing on a few new people onto the project, but is there anything else that you would be excited about? Uh, I'm excited to work with Brooke. Don't tell him that. No, I'm joking. Um, <laughs> no, no, look, I love Brooke, Brooke Andrew. I've known him for many years, and look, I think, he, I think he's amazing. I think... Um, uh, just to give him a plug here, if I don't, he'll, he'll say something to me. But I mean, no, <laughs> uh, like, I mean, just to be the first Indigenous director of the Sydney Sydney Biennale, the, the guy, it's amazing. He's, mm. I think he's been around. He's been around a long time. He's done some amazing stuff. It's 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 great to be working on this project with him. Um, we're both so passionate. We're, I mean, we're, it's, it's a very personal thing for both of us as well. It's very emotional. Um, looking at country, um, I mean, I, I draw trees. I've been drawing trees for many, many years. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just means a lot for our own practice, but at the same time, it means that the outputs from it, like having a forum, 
um, having a website, publications, um, ex exhibitions, as we said, the, the PhD um, co completions out of it, building people's um, uh, you know, um, capacity, but also you know, a public exhibition which will show the findings um, with that in key institutions, and people would see, yeah, you know, just sort of really promoting that importance of cultural heritage and also in particular trees. Yeah. Well, congratulations on getting the funding and I'm looking forward to reading up more when the project is, um, you know, a few months ahead from now. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of, it's exciting. I mean, it's a, we're going to a complex year next year, I, I still think, but, um, mm. but you know, that's, you make do, you, you shift things around and yeah. you still do stuff. I mean, that's, that's what it's about, but um, yeah, it's very exciting. It's very exciting. Thanks very much, Dr. Brian Martin. Thank you so much for your time. You have a good one. Peace. You too. Bye-bye. This is a podcast from Triple R, an independent media organisation in Melbourne, Australia. To find out more about Triple R or to explore many more shows, podcasts, articles, videos and interviews, head to the Triple R website at rrr.org.au. What up, Triple R listeners? We're back. I've got my next guest on the line, DJ Demolji, who was recently part of the Music Culture Change podcast and um, he interviews an uh, incredible Indigenous singer, Auntie Heather May Smith, who was in her 70s. And uh, she's, a, uh, she's a known as a world-renowned jazz and R&B-based artist in Cairns and um, has a music career spanning over five decades. And uh, DJ Demolji gets to be part of the first instalment of Music Culture Change and inter interview Artie there. And um, I want to introduce you to DJ Demolji now. How are you going? Yeah, Paul. Thanks for having me on the show. It's a pleasure to have you here. Um, so you were recently part of uh, Music Culture Change. Can you tell us a bit more about how you got involved in that project, I guess? Yeah, so um, uh, Music Culture Change uh, is a podcast series that, uh, that I've um, started. Um, I have a music collective uh, called Kin, um, kinmusic.online. You can check us out. Um, and the, uh, the music's all about um, celebrating our culture and celebrating our history. And uh, um, I'm a, um, uh, also a... Uh, digital producer over at NRTV, so I write a lot of articles around music and mm. and um, culture and um, and uh, something that I was you know really sticks you know sticks with me is making sure that our uh, our old uh, trailblazers are are recognised and mm. and I I'd, I'd heard of um, Wilma uh, Wilma Redding and her history actually uh, Wilma Redding. Um, is uh, Heather's uh, sister, uh, her older sister. Um, but Wilma Redding was also uh, my music coach uh, when I was studying music um, back in Cairns. Uh, and, yeah, it was really uh, eye-opening for me in the last couple of weeks to to firstly um, 
uh, learn about Heather's story and learn about uh, this deep history of jazz and blues uh, in North Queensland because I'm from North Queensland, but I didn't realise, uh, um, mm. you know, I'm 40 now, I didn't realise how uh, influential uh, the jazz scene was in, particularly in um, in. Cairns or, you know, Mackay through to Cairns and through to uh, Darwin as well, which is what I'm starting to to learn about. So so this music is really interesting because, yeah. um, you know, like the 60s and 50s, that real uh, jazz um, uh, era really shaped um, music and uh mm. And and it seems to be a renaissance of um, jazz coming back in into uh, mainstream music as well, uh, yeah. um, and and such a really important um, uh, music, jazz and R and B music, and and uh, I wanted to really through this series understand well, um, uh, you know, where are our uh, roots in in the, in our music history with jazz, and I know. Uh, um, uh, the uh, Mission Song Project that uh, was a massive undertaking that mm. um, unlocked a lot of um, unlocked a lot of our music history uh, back in the missions and and um, you know there's all these different projects that need to I suppose happen but uh, mm. but yeah I I wrote this article called uh, Remembering Our Music Trailblazers to Ensure a Sustainable Music Sector. Yep. So looking at you know how we how um, us younger artists need to recognise the older artists and you know mm. in America uh, they do it really well where they you know resample music from the sixties and thirties and mm-hmm. uh, and then you know they carry on that music legacy and and in this article I talk a bit about um, uh, you know. One, you know, it's um, it's the financial struggle of actually having mm. uh, the technology like turntables to in the nineties uh, when I grew up mm-hmm. to actually be able to to make music, you know, at that uh, at that quality um, level. So, uh, so back in the day, you know, in the nineties, for, for us, is really looking at you know uh, sampling music on CDs and and all mm-hmm. that stuff. So then, uh, so anyway, I wrote this article uh, and talked about trailblazers and then I get a message on um, from the website um, from Heather saying oh uh, how would you know how's she able to get her uh, her story told and and um, and I said oh well um, you know uh, um, I'm keen to you know to share your story uh, you know you're able to to um, shed some light on on some of your um, history because you know I went online I couldn't really find much and and then uh, when she told me she was she'd uh, traveled the world had a recording contract in Germany um, she sang um, in Vietnam for the soldiers and and traveled with all the jazz greats uh, you know uh, and the um, in the 70s around Australia and uh, performed on on some amazing um, uh, television shows and, and even nominated for awards. I'm like, well, Gee. how do we miss this? How do we, how do, how yeah. do we, you know, as a society, particularly in Indigenous media, how mm. do we miss um, a lot of these people? Um, and and I kind of thought, well, I need to uh, to act fast and really do something and I thought well well having a producing a podcast putting it out there and mm-hmm. getting other people to to connect with her and and um, you know 
and get her to share her story. But as soon as I'd done that, um, other people, um, friends at work and, and around, I said, hey, um, have you heard about, you know, other artists like Johnny Nickel from North Queensland? And oh, yeah. I was like, oh, I, was like, oh I, th- I thought he was from Sydney. And then they said, no, he's from... Um, it's from he. It's from Air. And I'm like, oh, I grew up in Air. So, so for me, I was just like, wow, this is really, um, you know, a really eye-opening experience to yeah. to do this podcast. And so, mm. so it's one of uh, it's one of our first um, apps on the season, uh, uh, produced by me and my um, sister, mm. Deline Deline Briscoe. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah, and she's. Um, uh, done a lot of work with um, uh, Dirt Songs and and um, her own um, album Wow. Um, so she's in, a, in a herself. You know, she's a bit of a trailblazer. But yeah. um, mm-hmm. like I said, it's uh, I always look at you know what's happening overseas. Mm-hmm. You know, like particularly in in similar areas uh, to see how how uh, their art and culture, you know, had also progressed um, even through, um, you know, uh, invasion and, and, um, and yeah, like, you, I do find those similarities with um, both black American music and uh, Native American um, music and history. And, mm. and uh, um, yeah, it's just really, really important for us to... To um, to talk about our legacy artists and and you know to bring us all together to to mm-hmm. not lose um, track of uh, you know our um, indigenous roots in music. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you've um, you said a few names there that I have heard before. Johnny Nichols, I um, was able to hear a few couple, like a couple of years ago. Um, there's a record store down here that has has one of his records and. Um, I just never heard any blackfellas doing soul music from that era. Um, and touching on what you said then just as well um, with, you know, black Americans and Native American mob, like the music's quite, you know, there's like a rich history in the beginnings of, you know, a lot of that those genres kind of um, telling a lot of stories from that time as well. And... Yeah, it's incredible. It's absolutely incredible. And I guess you kind of answer it in the podcast, but could you just tell us a little bit more about um, uh, Auntie Heather May? Like, how did she get into, like, jazz music, I guess? Um, So uh, from the interview, yeah, you know, like uh, she talks about her... uh, her influences and um, Aretha Franklin was one of her uh, big inspirations, but um, but also going to a, uh, a cinema um, in Cairns uh, that's closed down now. I believe it's called the Palace um, uh, Cinema in Cairns, and uh, and she said she watched a uh, a um, a movie. I can't remember what the movie uh, the movie was called, but uh, she watched a movie and uh, really um, uh, it was about. Um, uh, like uh, uh, an African American um, uh, an artist um, featured in the movie, and uh, and the, the the movie was about youth uh, rebelling. 
Mm-hmm. So, um, so it triggered something um, where she, uh, uh, her and her um, sister and brother, uh, younger sister and brother, um, started to uh, form a band, and and uh, uh, at the age of um, eleven and twelve, uh, she started to uh, earn her own pocket money making music and singing for for the community. Um, I understand uh, in Kansas, and this is something I'm really um, interested to learn more about, uh, but they had a they had a thing called the Coloured Social Club. Um, mm. And uh, um, and uh, from what I understand, that's where a lot of the, uh, the music, um, uh, cultural music, Torres Strait Islander and uh, Aboriginal uh, music from up that way, that's where, um, you know, that was always uh, prominent. prominent. And uh, and and you know allowed to um, you know I suppose like in those days in the sixties and seventies it would have been a such an important cultural um, place where uh, you you had um, she explained you know like you had you know that security and that family there so mm. so you weren't you know you you know even though you're out you you know you weren't going to be taunted so so that was. Um, uh, something that um, she said that really um, you know stuck with her the, the coloured social club in Cairns and um, and something that I'm really interested to learn more about because um, uh, I didn't I grew up in Cairns in my teenage years but um, but yeah uh, just learning about the history and what inspired her in Cairns um, yeah it's really really eye opening uh, she first. Um, uh, I think her, she said that uh, she toured with um, the Maori Tribute uh, Group, uh, which featured Johnny Nickel, mm. and uh, travelled with with him. But she had a contract um, in Germany uh, where she um, uh, uh, where they produced some of her um, tracks on, uh, like uh, this 1977 track called "Keep on Dancing," and mm. and. Um, yeah, it's a, a great, um, you know, time. Uh, uh, she said um, she loved uh, all types of music because uh, this mm. track called uh, Keep On Dancing is a disco track. But but she said um, when she travelled the world, she got, in, you know, inspiration uh, in every country and, and disco, you know, disco was something happening at that time. But mm. but she um, fell in love with disco when she was in... Um, uh, when she heard uh, someone performing in Germany, so so yeah, like uh, really remarkable music, um, yeah. and you know, and her older sister Wilma Redding mm. um, had some amazing uh, music from the '60s. So you mm. know, those those two big generations of musical influences um, from one family. Uh, I know there's other um, uh, people, uh, other uh, uh, trailblazers from that family. It's mm. uh, uh, the Pitt family in North Queensland, uh, um, you know, massive family up that way, um, mm. you know, and and massive legacy of um, uh, culture and music, you know, that they've provided Australia. Mm. That's incredible. I think I'm definitely keen to listen to this podcast series after having this yarn with you, and I hope everyone else is uh, is tuned in tonight. Thanks very much, uh, Luke Briscoe, uh, aka DJ Jamolji, for coming on the show. Thanks for having me, Paul. It's a pleasure. Um, yeah, see you next time. Yeah, Nigel. See you. Bye. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Triple R's The Mission. 
a weekly radio show exploring the issues that impact the lives of Aboriginal people and those at the wrong end of social justice in this country. The mission is broadcast live on Triple R every Tuesday evening. Hope you've enjoyed the podcast and feel free to get in touch via the Triple R website. <laughs>